0: Quick question, have you ever been in a fight? Mm, I see some heads nodding. Some of y'all are pretty bad out there. All right, well, uh, for those of you who've been in a fight, it probably was a time when you needed some help. No, oh, they didn't need no help, man, okay, sorry. I'm at the wrong church then. <laughs> I know there were times I needed help and I was thankful for the help. But um, I remember as a kid, I used to love to watch wrestling, and this was back when it was clean, and, and, and it was real, okay? It was real when I watched it as a kid, all right? And I remember one Saturday night, there was a main event, and it was good versus evil, right? And you had Randy Macho Man Savage, who was good. <laughs> don't, don't start saying no oh yes right now, all right? That's, that's for later. We'll, we'll do that later. So you had Randy Macho Man Savage, and he was facing off against the Honky Tonk Man. And this was the main event, all right? And um, of course, it's wrestling. So you see, there were times when Honky Tonk was, you know, giving, uh, you know, the Macho Man, he was giving him the business, you know what I mean? He was was getting hurt, you know? But then, but then, Macho Man, all of a sudden, started winning against the Honky Tonk Man, right? And just as he's winning, and just as he's about to seal the deal and pin Honky, Honky Tonk Man to the match, to the, to the mat, the Heart Foundation came out of nowhere, you know, and they just ruined it. You know, Brett the Hitman Heart, Jim the Anvil Neidhart, you know, they enter the ring and they start beating on Macho Man. Oh, man, he didn't see it coming. He didn't see it coming. And they're, they're pummeling him and he doesn't look like he has a shot in the dark, right? And now his wife... Elizabeth, she's watching on in horror as her husband is just getting beat to, you know, to inches within his life. And she's feeling helpless. And then she steps off out of the camera view and leaves the arena. And everybody's wondering, where's Lady Elizabeth? Where's she going? Right? And then you see her come back into the arena. And who does she have tagging behind her? Hulk Hogan. Oh, man. And now you already know it's about to be a turn of event. And you're like, oh, yes, here comes the Hulk. He's going to give it to him, right? And he gets in that ring, and he, you know, takes a little bit of lashes. But he, he's that main driving force to turning this event all around. And by him focusing on fighting the honky-tonk man and the Heart Foundation, macho man gets his strength back. And then all of a sudden, he, he's able to get back into the fight and seal the victory. Oh, It was uh, one of my favorite, favorite flashbacks as a kid. And I'm sure you weren't expecting a wrestling... um, (laughs) You you weren't expecting that this morning. You would have expected that from Pastor Kirby, but, you know, (laughs) it was too good. It was too good. I couldn't pass it up, all right? But it's because uh, life can be like that. Sometimes we're in the wrestling match. Sometimes we're in a fight. And it seems like we're not going to make it out of this fight, right? And with that in mind, I want to direct yourself. I want to direct you all to... Uh, the better uh, main event. And this is in God's word. Would you now uh, open up your copy of God's word to the book of Exodus? And we'll be looking at uh, chapter 17, verses 8 through 13. Book of Exodus, chapter 17. And we'll be looking at verses again, 8 through 13. Praise God. Let's start at at verse 1. Let's just start at verse 1. Then all the congregation of the sons of Israel journeyed by stages from the wilderness of sin, according to the command of the Lord, and camped at Rephidim. And there was no water for the people to drink. Therefore the people quarreled with Moses and said, Give us water that we may drink. Moses said to them, Why do you quarrel against me? Why do you test the Lord? But the Lord Excuse me, but the people thirsted there for water, and they grumbled against Moses and said, Why now have you brought us up from Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? So Moses cried out to the Lord, saying, What shall I do to this to this people? A little more and they will stone me. And the Lord said to Moses, Pass before the people, and take with you some of the elders of Israel, and take in your hand your staff, which you struck the Nile, and go. And behold, I will stand before you there on the rock at Oreb, and you shall strike the rock, and water will come out of it, that the people may drink. Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. And he named the place Massa and Meribah because of the quarrel of the sons of Israel, and because they tested the Lord, saying, Is the Lord among us or not? Verse 8, Then Amalek came and fought against Israel at Rephidim. So Moses said to Joshua, choose men for us and go out, fight against Amalek. Tomorrow, I will station myself on the top of the hill with the staff of God in my hand. And Joshua did as Moses told him and fought against Amalek. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. So it came about when Moses held his hand up that Israel prevailed. And when he let his hand down, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands were heavy. Then they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. And Aaron and Hur supported his hands, one on one side and one on the other. Thus his hands were steady until the sunset. So Joshua overwhelmed Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. Praise God. Would you join me in prayer? Father in heaven, we thank you that you are the rock. We thank you that you are our victor, and we thank you that you are Yahweh Nisi. You are our banner. And Lord, we are looking to you this day as we should each and every day because we recognize our utter dependence upon you. God, we are dependent upon you right now for ears to hear your word. We are dependent upon you right now for minds to understand your truth. God, we are dependent upon you right now for your power to walk according to these truths. Would you please grant us your grace in this hour? And will you continue to use a servant like me for your honor and for your glory? And we ask it all by faith in your precious son's name. Amen. Amen. And so, in Exodus chapter 17, verses 8 through 13, this morning, by God's grace, We will examine two strategies to be victorious in your fight against evil. Just two strategies to be victorious in your fight against evil. Strategy number one, admit you have weaknesses. Strategy number two, acknowledge your dependence upon God. All right, so let's uh, get a little context here. So here we see the children of Israel, and they are in their newfound freedom after being in bondage for over 400 years. And you would think that there would be a little bit more appreciation and thanksgiving to the Lord for having done so. Unfortunately, not. And in chapters 15 through 17, we see this constant, uh, unfortunately, uh, this constant case of grumbling against Moses, which was ultimately against the Lord. They grumbled against the Lord about having bitter water in the wilderness at Marah. The children of Israel grumbled against the Lord about wanting food in the wilderness of sin. And they continued their grumbling even when they got to a camp at a place called Rephidim. Yet in spite of all their grumbling, the Lord was very patient. And he continued to provide for all of their needs. Amen. And so now we come to our text this morning. Verse 8. Then Amalek came and fought against Israel at Rephidim. First of all, who were the Amalekites? And why did they want to fight against Israel? Well, commentaries identify this people group as nomads that lived in the southern region of Palestine in the desert. And in Genesis chapter 36, verse 12, we learn that they were descendants of Esau. As the scripture states, Esau's son Eliphaz also had a concubine named Timnah who bore him Amalek. So Amalek was Esau's grandson. And you recall the history of the tension between Jacob and Esau, right? That even while they were in their mother's womb, Rebekah, who was once barren, they were fighting even in there, right? And especially they started to fight even after Jacob stole Esau's birthright. And just in case you're not familiar with that, your homework is to go home and to read Genesis 25 through 28, because I don't have the time to do that this morning. You know I need all the time I can get, all right? So now, remember, Amalek is the grandson of Esau, right? And one commentator picks up on this fact and argued that Grandpa Esau, most likely he had shared with his, grand, with his grandkids, he probably shared the story of how his birthright was stolen from him by his brother Jacob. And over time, that contributed to the hatred of the Amalekites against the Israelites and possibly served as a motive, a motive for their coming, against, coming out against Israel. One other commentator contends that their targeting, um, excuse me, that their coming out against Israel was, was also a way of them protecting their resources. Uh, Philip Ryken actually in his commentary identifies that the Amalekites may have felt threatened by Israel's subtle, sudden arrival in their territory, or they may have been Um, trying to protect their water supply since Rephidim was an oasis. And the Amalekites must have been dismayed to watch so many people coming in with their animals, coming and drinking their water, right? So we don't really know for sure uh, what the motivation was for the Amalekites coming out against Israel since Scripture doesn't inform us. But we do know that it was certainly unwarranted as the Israelites were not looking for a fight. They were just passing through, right? Right? But the Amalekites, they had it in their mind that day to want to pick a fight with Israel. And of all the ways that they chose to fight against Israel, you must know that the way that they chose to fight against them, there was something very dastardly about it. It was not just cowardly, but it was very wicked about where they strategically chose to fight Israel. Okay, And we've reached to our first point, point number one, admit you have weaknesses. So in Deuteronomy chapter 25, verses 17 through 18, Moses states, remember what the Amalekites did to you along the way when you came out of Egypt, when you were weary and worn out, they met you on your journey and attacked all who were lagging behind. They had no fear of God. Mm. And as a people group that lived during that time, it was surely known what the Lord had done to Egypt on the behalf of Israel. I mean, this was, this was all across the Jerusalem newspaper, right? Everybody knew what God did for Israel. This was, nothing, this was nothing new, all right? But that didn't stop the Amalekites. No, no, no. They still chose to go out and fight against Israel, even though they knew that God was on their side, even though they knew that God had delivered them from bondage in Egypt. But that didn't stop them. And you know Why? because they were enemies of God. They hated God. And that's why they're fighting against God's chosen people, his covenant people, Israel. Mm. And so again, they chose to target the back of the caravan. And this is where you will probably find the folks that were struggling to keep up with the rest of the group, right? Um, Some commentary said that you would probably find those who were sick or those who were elderly, possibly even women and children. And you got to admit yeah, that's pretty low. That's pretty low. The Amalekites didn't go face on with the men who were probably leading in front. No, they found the weakest. And then they went and they attacked them where they were most weak. And I just wanted to ask you for a quick moment have you ever felt weak? Have you ever felt like you were struggling to keep up? You were lagging behind. Have you ever felt like you were already down? And all of a sudden you get this sneak attack move put right on you. You weren't expecting it. And it seems like, man, that that was so that was so wrong, right? It's like I was at my weakest, and here I get kicked down. What do we expect? What did we expect? Do we expect the enemy to fight fear? Church, are you listening to me? Do you really expect that your enemy is going to fight fear? You know we have three enemies, right? Yes, we have three enemies. We have our flesh, we have the world, and we have the devil himself. And in case you didn't notice, they don't fight fear. All right? They don't fight fear. The enemy he's not going to attack you. Not right now. You're know you feeling pretty pumped up, right? You heard these great worship songs. You had this time of prayer, corporate prayer, and you're feeling pretty strong. He's not going to attack you now. He'll wait until later on in the week when you're kind of feeling a little sluggish, when you're kind of dragging behind, right? He's going to wait until possibly you're away on some business trip away from your family, away from church, and you're in that hotel room by yourself. No one's watching. And you have access to the internet. You have access to cable and something inappropriate comes on. Yeah, that's when he's going to attack you, right? What about you? Some of our um, graduates from the youth ministry, they've gone off to college, right? And those of you who are here and preparing to go to college, you know, going to wait for that time when you're feeling lonely, going to wait for that time when you're feeling needy. That's the time to attack when you're weak. Mm. And it's no wonder that it reminds, that scripture reminds us in first Peter chapter five, verse eight, the apostle Peter says, be of sober spirit, be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Hmm. <laughs> Now, I don't know about you, but have you ever watched those, uh, those nature shows? I used to love to watch nature shows. I, you can tell I watched a lot of TV as a kid. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But I, as, I, I used to love to watch these nature shows with my dad. And I loved watching how the lionesses would strategically attack either this herd of gazelles or wildebeests or water buffaloes. You know, they would never go for the big, strong you know, water buffalo that would probably poke them with their horns. No, no, no. They would target that calf. They would target that little weak one. Because they don't want to fight. They want to overcome. They want a quick meal. And that's what the enemy wants from you. He wants to devour you and make a quick meal out of you. Hmm. And so, loved ones, (laughs) we need to remember that we are in this invisible war, and it rages, and we have to be on the alert. We have to be paying attention because we have enemies. And so don't be foolish into thinking that you're big and bad enough on your own to win in the fight. You won't win. 2 Corinthians 12.9 teaches us that God's strength is made perfect in our weakness. That's how God has designed it. And scripture also tells us in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. So we need the Lord's strength. And that is the only way that we can see our weaknesses. When we humble ourselves and recognize we have weaknesses, now we can cling on to the Lord for him to be our strength. Amen? Amen. Amen. And so now we come to verse 9. So Moses said to Joshua, Choose men for us and go out, fight against Amalek. Tomorrow, I will station myself on the top of the hill with the staff of God in my hand. So here, Moses is made aware of the attack and he, like a good shepherd and like a good leader, he springs into action with a plan to protect the people. He calls on his right-hand man, Joshua. And now this is the first time that Joshua is mentioned in scripture. And his name is, originally meant deliverance, a salvation. But Moses will actually rename him Yahashua, which means Yahweh delivers. And so this is the same Joshua, the same Joshua who was from the tribe of Ephraim, the same Joshua who was the son of Nun. This is the same one who was chosen to go out and to spy into the land with Caleb and the rest of the spies. And it was only Joshua and Caleb that came back with the positive report. Right? They were trusting the Lord. And this is the same Joshua who would eventually lead the children of Israel into the promised land. But every leader has to start somewhere. And for Joshua, it started with him being a follower of Moses. And Moses was a good leader. He wasn't a perfect leader, but he was a good leader. And so, praise God, just as Joshua had a good leader to follow like Moses. Moses had a good assistant like Joshua. And then actually in Exodus chapter 24, verse 13, we learn that Moses referred to Joshua as his assistant. So what a great choice. And I just want to take a moment and pause right here for all of you ministry leaders and for all of you who are serving here in the Lord's house. I know we can sometimes get so busy with the to-do list. We could get so, you know, just, Tunnel vision and wanting to get our, our work done, and we want to do it with excellence and we want to do it as unto the Lord. And that's great. But take time to notice those Joshua's who are around you. Take time to be training up someone who's going to take that ministry away, from, you know, eventually from your hands and carry the baton and keep it going. Amen. Amen. And so Moses had a great choice in choosing Joshua. And what is his assignment for Joshua? Again, we see it in the text. Moses says to Joshua, choose men for us and go out, and fight against Amalek. Wow. Now this must have been a difficult task for Joshua because it's not like Israel had a history of being fighters, right? Not like the Amalekites. They knew how to fight. Israel, they didn't know how to fight. They were in bondage. They just knew how to be slaves. So they didn't know how to fight. And so now we've come to our second point. Acknowledge your dependence upon God. Now notice that although Moses instructed Joshua to choose men to go out and fight, Moses knew he was too old to go and fight alongside Joshua. But that doesn't mean that Moses wasn't in the fight. No, he knew that he had a different kind of fight and that he needed to tend to that. But he knew that he was going to need Joshua and some good men to go out and fight on the field. And so here, Moses rightly concluded that he was going to, that his fight was to go to the top of the hill and that he was to take the staff of God with him in his hand. Now, how did he, how did he come to this conclusion? Well, it's because he was obviously firsthand, he was able to see how the Lord delivered Israel in many situations against Egypt by him trusting in the Lord with the staff of God in his hand. Remember that Moses used the staff of God to bring the plagues of hail and locusts upon Egypt. It was the same staff that he used to cause the reed seed to part and to bring water from the rock when the people were complaining about having no water. And so Moses was confident that the Lord would demonstrate his power once again to deliver Israel. Moses wasn't trusting in the staff itself like it was some sort of four-leaf clover or it was some sort of lucky pair of socks on game day. No, no, no. Moses was ultimately trusting in the Lord and he knew that his deliverance would have to come from the Lord. And I just want to pause for another moment here. Now we know that this is the old covenant and that Israel is not the church and that the church is not Israel. But what can we learn from this? Well, we can learn from this that if you are in Christ, loved ones, whether you like it or not, you are in a fight. You are in a fight. You have been enlisted in the Lord's army. You are one of his soldiers. And in your process of becoming more like Christ, in which we know is sanctification, it's going to take some effort. It's going to take some action on your behalf. You have to be involved in the fight. You don't think I'm I'm telling you the truth? Look at scripture. That is the truth. Colossians 3, 2. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on the earth. Verse 8 says, but now you also put them all aside. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and abusive speech from your mouth. Hmm. Hebrews 12, 14 says, pursue peace with all men and the sanctification without which no one will see the Lord. And so, loved ones, we have to be intentional. We have to cooperate with God's Holy Spirit and be taking action and be intentional in our pursuing of holiness, in our fighting against sin, in our fighting against evil in this world. We have to be engaged. This is not on autopilot. But just in case you get too confident in your own abilities, remember Philippians 2.12-13 says, So then, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Listen to verse 13. For it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Praise God. We are not in this fight alone, loved ones. But we do need to be engaged in the fight and praise God that the Lord is in the fight with us. The Lord is fighting alongside with us in this holy war and we need him. And so there is going to be some action that you need to take upon yourselves, right? We need to be seeking God's word daily, right? God's word is just not going to be automatically downloaded into our mind like we're in the matrix or something. You know what I'm saying? You got to open up his word. You got to read it right? We got to meditate on scripture. That's not going to happen on its own. Our mind is so flooded with so many different distracting thoughts because the flesh is at war with the spirit. The flesh doesn't want us meditating on scripture, but we got to fight. Every day it's a fight. When we're out in the world and we see people who are nice, our neighbors, coworkers, and we're like, oh yeah, Jim, you know, he's a real nice guy. Yeah, but Jim doesn't know the Lord. You got to fight. You got to make sure that you are an ambassador for Christ and that the Lord can use you to proclaim His goodness and that the Lord in His grace might open up your co workers' eyes to know His grace and to be saved. Loved ones, this doesn't happen naturally. We have to prioritize it, we have to fight to be holy. Amen. Mm. And so we fight. And so we fight. And so let's go to verse 10. And Joshua did as Moses told him and fought against Amalek. And Moses, Aaron, and her went up to that top of the hill. So here we see Joshua, this man of God. He obeyed Moses' request no grumbling, no complaining, no questioning, just obedience. And what a breath of fresh air Joshua must have been for Moses, especially after dealing with all the grumbling and complaining that he was getting from everyone else. Praise God for his example. And I just want to quickly share, sometimes as we are in ministry and leadership, sometimes you could feel a little lonely and you need to make sure that you have some people that are on the front lines with you. You need to make sure that you have some people in the fight with you, right? Moses had Joshua, and praise God he had Joshua. But then he also had Aaron and her to come alongside him. What an example. What an example. And so Moses not only had his brother Aaron, he also had her. And some of you may not be familiar with her, and so I just want to share uh, commentary. talks about uh, Josephus identifies her as the husband of Miriam. And because of the prominence given to her, as an, ap- excuse me, as an appellate judge over the people in Moses' absence in Exodus chapter 24, verse 14, it would seem that her was one of the chief elders of the nation of Israel. All right? And so, loved ones, Moses had Joshua, he had Aaron and her, and Joshua's fighting against the Amalekites with the men that he chose, and he's got Aaron and her right alongside him fighting on the top of the hill. Who do you have fighting alongside with you? Do you have someone? If not, it's time to start recruiting. It's time to start recruiting. All right? All right. Verse 11. So it came about when Moses held his hand up that Israel prevailed. And when he let his hand down, Amalek prevailed. And so now this verse It has some differences of opinions when it comes to commentators and theologians. Some commentaries refer to this as uh, an example of prayer. And obviously, you know, we can understand how this is an example of prayer, right? Because in this particular case, by Moses' lowering his hands, it would serve as an example or as a symbol of him ceasing to pray and thus ceasing to depend upon God for help. And we get this from Psalm 63, verse 4, as it states, So I will bless you as long as I live. I will lift up my hands in your name. And 1 Timothy 2, verse 8, gives us even more vivid picture. Therefore, I want the men in every place to pray, lifting up holy hands without anger and dispute. So we can see how this connection is made as we have scriptural evidence that, was, that this was known as a posture of prayer. And I think that the lesson that we need to take from this in our invisible fight, in this spiritual warfare that we are in, we cannot let our hands down. We cannot let our hands down. We are in a fight, right? You're going to keep hearing me say that because sometimes I know, like you, myself, I forget that I'm in a fight, And so I have to keep reminding myself that right now, someone needs you, someone needs me to keep our hands lifted in prayer on their behalf. Someone needs us to intercede on their behalf. There's a pastor right now, some missionary, some church. You heard Pastor Plumley praying for the church in Nigeria. They're in a physical fight right now. Afghanistan, they're in a physical fight right now. China, physical fight. And there's so many places where persecution is real and it is physical. And here in America, we can sometimes be a little sleep at the switch. Because the, the battle, it's not raging in front of our face like we like like we can see in those persecuted areas, and so we think, I could take my helmet off, I could take off my breastplate, I could set along, I could set my shield here to the side. No, sir. No, sir. We are always in a fight, and we will always have to fight. Are you willing to intercede right now? I know some of you are interceding right now because you're like, oh, here he goes. Here comes the water. Yeah, I know. I know. But seriously, all jokes aside, are you interceding on the behalf of your brothers and sisters in Christ who may be struggling? I mean, praise God, we have this, you know, hope book and when people are putting their requests out there it's not just for us to see it and be like oh man yeah that's that's sad no take that opportunity to fight on their behalf they're looking for your help and i know you get tired we all get tired Hmm. and sometimes we just want to let our hands down but I just want to remind you loved ones that even when you let your hands down over 2,000 years ago praise God for Jesus Christ for he came into this world and he never let his hands down. He never let his hands down. And when he stretched out his arms wide, he didn't have. Aaron and her to be alongside him. He did it on his own. And praise God, he was victorious. Because he went through a pretty vicious fight. You remember, he cried out, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He felt forsaken. But he fought. So that you could be forgiven. So that I could be forgiven. Praise God. Jesus Christ won the battle. So even when we fail, even when our hands drop, we can look to Christ. And we must look to Christ. For he is Yeshua, the Lord that saves. Mm. And praise God, he finished his work. He finished his battle. Because remember, what else did he cry out? In victory, it is finished. He won the battle. You and I couldn't win that battle. But he is our victor. And he defeated sin and death. And that is the only way. It's only through the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that we see victory. Amen? Amen? Amen. And so, we see here Moses, he let his hand down. And Israel, excuse me, and Amalek prevailed. Verse 12, but Moses' hands were heavy. So they, so as Moses' hands got heavy, it says in the text that they took a stone, this is Aaron and her, and they put it under him and he sat on it and Aaron and her supported his hands, one on one side, and one on the other. Thus his hands were steady until the sun set. Mm, praise God. And so here Moses, he was humble enough to accept this godly counsel from Aaron and her. You know Moses was a, he was a humble man. Scripture tells us that he was humble, and he actually wrote that in the scripture. So you gotta wonder, Moses, were you truly humble? You put it in there, baby. I mean, come on, man. You know, if you humble, you ain't supposed to tell anybody you're humble. You know, nah, 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 nah. You know, he, uh, he, Moses was a humble man, and he accepted this counsel. He accepted this wise recommendation from Aaron and her, and they, and Aaron and her, they're watching the fight right? They're all watching the fight. They got, this is pay-per-view. They're seeing it happen right before their eyes. So they're actually assessing what's happening because they realize, Moses, every time your hand drops, Amalek starts winning. But when your hand is up, we start winning. And I just want to ask you real quick, loved ones, are you assessing how you're doing in your fight against sin? Are you paying attention? Are you actually winning? Are you paying attention? Because Moses and Aaron and her, they were paying attention to what's happening. And they recognize we can't let Moses' hands go down. We can't let his hands go down. And so they bring a seat for Moses because Moses is standing throughout the entire battle. But he got tired. And so Aaron and her brought the rock for him to sit on. And furthermore, they came alongside him. Oh, I love this picture. I love this. Because this, this is just a picture right, of not only the wisdom of godly counsel, but two heads are better than one. Man, this picture, we got three heads. How sweet is that? Moses was not in the battle alone, right? Oh, praise God. Proverbs 24, verse 6, it states, for by wise guidance, you will wage war. And in in an abundance of counselors, there is victory. Mm. And that's exactly what the children of Israel received that day, victory. Praise God. And so we see now in our last verse, so Joshua overwhelmed Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. Now, although Joshua and the men of Israel overwhelmed overwhelmed Amalek and were victorious, the Amalekites would continue to be a thorn in their flesh for some time. This was just a temporary victory. For we know in Scripture that Saul, King Saul, he had to deal with the Amalekites. And he didn't do, a too, he didn't do too good of a job with them, right? Remember, the, uh, the, the prophet Samuel had to come and he had to hack Agag to pieces. Agag was an Amalekite. David, he also had to deal with the Amalekites. And when he went off to battle and he returned home to Ziklag, his home was on fire, and his women and his children were taken away just as the rest of his soldiers were. And that was done by the Amalekites. Mm. And then even hundreds of years later after that, Israel was threatened by the descendants of Amalek again when Haman tried to wipe out all of the Israelites. He tried to wipe them out completely. And we see that in the book of Esther. And so we see that although Joshua and, 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 and Israel, although they had victory over the Amalek in that day, they had to continue to fight and deal with the Amalekites. And that's the same for us, loved ones. We will have to continue to battle with our flesh. We will have to continue to battle against the world. We will have to continue to battle against the devil. And this will take place until the Lord calls us home or until he returns. But until then, we must be engaged in the fight. We must fight. And now, although it was a temporary victory that Israel scored against Amalek that day, I want to direct your attention real quick because we got time. Praise God, we got time. I'm doing all right with time. All right. Verse fourteen. Then the Lord said this to, Mo- excuse me. Then the Lord said to Moses, "Write this in a book as a memorial, and recite it to Joshua, that I will utterly blot out the memory of Amalek from under heaven." And Moses built an altar and named it, "The Lord is my banner." And he said, "The Lord has sworn; the Lord will have war against Amalek from generation to generation." Oh, praise God. So here, Moses, excuse me, so here the Lord instructed Moses to write this in a book and to record it and to recite it to Joshua. Now, why do you think the Lord told Moses to do that? The same reason why we need God's word, because we forget, we forget, we all like sheep, we go astray. We forget how the Lord has fought so many battles on our side. We forget how we fight against our sin. We fight against the world. We fight against the devil. We fight against the the flesh by seeking God's word. We forget that. And so we need a reminder. And so here, the Lord graciously provides a reminder, not only for Moses, but also for Joshua. And Joshua needed that reminder because he was the one who was going to be going in and having to do a lot more battles. And so he needed to remember what the Lord did for them, what the Lord accomplished for them. In their battle against Amalek. And so the Lord will eventually blot out. He did eventually blot out the Amalekites. And he eventually blotted out Amalek from under heaven. And I just want to remind you loved ones. Continue to stay engaged in the fight. Because in Revelation chapter 20. It teaches us that after Satan is released. After being bound for a thousand years. He too and all other enemies of God will finally be blotted out under heaven. We will finally have permanent victory. And it's because of Jesus Christ. He is the victor. Amen? Amen. And so hang in there. Hang in there. Be faithful to study God's word. Be faithful to meditate on his word. Be faithful to intercede on the behalf of the church, to intercede on the behalf of those who yet do not know the Lord. Keep fighting. Don't give up. And if you feel like giving up, just as the children of Israel had the symbol of Moses standing up on the top of the hill, lifting up that same staff that they saw lifted up when they were in battle against the Egyptians, now they saw that same symbol of victory and that same symbol of deliverance, and it was all the Lord. In case you get tired, in case you want to put your hands down, look to the symbol of the cross and be reminded that's where your strength comes from. Amen. 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 And so now, this message has been mostly for those who are believers. But I must issue a warning to those who are out there who are still fighting not with God. You're fighting against him. You say, I'm not fighting against God. But the Bible says, yes, you are. And you're fighting against him because you refuse. You refuse to believe his gospel. You refuse to believe that Jesus Christ and his perfect life and his perfect death was the only thing and his perfect resurrection, was the only thing that could grant you salvation. You foolishly think that you can get to heaven on your own goodness. You think you could fight your way to heaven. I'm here to tell you, you can't. You will lose the battle. You will lose the war. But while you are here and while you still have life, God is showing you mercy right now please do not be foolish to continue to think that you can get into heaven on your own merit. It won't satisfy. Isaiah 64, 6 says, your most righteous deeds are filthy rags. Your most righteous deeds. God won't even accept that because you're tainted with sin. And he only accepts a perfect righteousness. And that perfect righteousness again, was only a f- was only paid in full by Jesus Christ. And so, if you are still fighting against the Lord, scripture tells us that if God be for us, who can be against us? But the reverse holds true. That if God be against you, who can stand for you? It doesn't matter You can have all the world. You can can have all the military might. You won't win. So now, now is the time. Now is the day to repent. Put your arms down. Stop fighting against the one who has made you. Surrender to him. And just as his son's arms were opened wide on that cross, that's a demonstration of his love. He will embrace you. He will show you unspeakable love, unconditional love, but you must come to him on the king's terms. You must come to the victor on his terms. Would you do that today? Today could be a new day for you. Today could be a new fight for you. You may have been formerly an enemy of God, but now by hearing him calling your name, him calling you to repentance, him calling you to trust in his son, now you can fight with the Lord and he will be on your side. And I just want to invite you that if you you have any questions about this, please come and talk to me about it after the service. Or find some other saint that you can talk to about Your fight and how you can surrender to the one who has already fought and won the battle. Let's go before the Lord. Father in heaven, thank you for Jesus Christ. Oh, thank you so much for your precious Son. Whom you did not spare, but you sent him into this world. And he, he fought the battle. He took upon your very wrath upon his body on the cross. And thank you so much that he, he cried out that victory cry. It is finished. Oh Lord, help us to remember that for those who are in Christ, help us to remember that our battle was won already because of what Christ has done. And may that strengthen us. And may you use that to empower us to continue to go out into this world, to keep fighting, to keep engaging in the battle, and to be looking upon you and depending upon you for our ultimate victory. We need you. And God, for those who have stony hearts and are still fighting against you, God, please, we pray that you might use this message to break that stony heart. And grant them a heart of flesh. That though they were formerly your enemy. Now they are your friend. But it's all you God. Please continue to fight. As only you can. We look to you. God we love you. and We thank you. And we entrust all these things unto you. And we ask it by faith. In the name that is above all names. In the name that is victorious. Jesus. Yeshua, our Lord and our God. Let all those who love the Lord say amen. Amen Amen. and amen.